this is the legal disclaimer where I tell you that the views, thoughts and opinions shared on this podcast belong solely to our guests and hosts and not necessarily Brady or Brady's affiliates. Please note, this podcast contains discussions of violence that some people may find disturbing. It's okay. We find it disturbing, too. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Red, Blue, and Brady. I am one of your hosts, JJ. And I'm your other host, Kelly. And today we are covering a topic that has had Kelly and I terrified <laughs> and, per- and perpetually talking about it for quite a while now, I think, Kelly, for the last, I think, certainly since COVID started. Absolutely. And that is the rise of both firearms being stolen from cars and then the rise of firearms being used, I would say, I guess, in cars, right? When it's road rage, it's used in a vehicle. Yeah. That seems right. Agree. Yeah. Or adjacent, car adjacent on the freeway. And to do so, we are joined by, I think, one of the best researchers working in this area, Megan O'Toole of Everytown. For listeners, even if you're like, I don't have a car, I don't live in a city that has cars, this is still worth listening to because we're going to explore not just guns and cars and road rage, but also some of the root causes of it as well. Yeah. And what you can be doing to keep your community safer, too, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Hi there, I'm Mang O'Toole. I'm Deputy Director of Research at Every Town for Gun Safety, and I'm one of the authors on one of the reports we're excited to be able to share with you all today, which is entitled Gun Thibs from Cars, the Largest Source of Stolen Guns. I co-authored this with my colleagues Jay Skola and Sarah Bridge-Sharps. Phenomenal. Thank you. And for folks who may be unaware, you know, Every Town is a national gun violence prevention organization um, that Brady happens to be fortunate enough to work closely with on a number of projects. But I'm wondering if you could tell our listeners just a little bit about the work that you do at Every Town. Of course, I'd be happy to. And we're really grateful to get to work with you all in this space as well. Every Town Research specifically serves a few different roles, including ensuring that all of our organization's policy work is evidence-informed, and then also developing cutting-edge original research to answer pressing questions about gun violence prevention, such as the report we're talking about today. And we're so thankful that you're able to join us and and do that. And I'm glad that we're talking about the issue of gun thefts from automobiles, as well as the rise in road rage, because these are things that we've seen on the rise. We've seen it even here in D.C., where we're we're recording. And so I think we should start from there. Are they on the rise? Or is this just the vibes? Yeah. Anecdotes. Short answer is yes. Across cities with available data a decade ago, less than 25% of gun thefts were from cars. In 2020, however, and that's the most recent year of data available when we published this report last year, we saw that it went from 25% to 50% of gun thefts were from cars. And 2019 to 2020 saw recent history's biggest spike in gun thefts from cars as well. Similarly, when it comes to road rage, 2020 was the worst year on record for road rage shootings, a trend that's already been climbing since 2018. So you're correct. These things are going up. On the gun theft and from from cars, it's not that like, is gun theft as a whole going up or because I always wonder like that with stats, right? Is it that, you know, gun theft dropped, but it went up from cars or is it that gun theft is also rising? It's just like rising precipitously when stolen from from vehicles. Gun thefts as a whole have gone up. Um, You can see a graph of that in our report. However, it's driven almost entirely by an increase in gun thefts from cars. Oh, wow. Wow. 
Yeah. Well, and then for listeners, too, if you look in the description of this episode, there is a direct link to that report. So you can go and see all these graphs. If you want to have, would it be a reading rainbow moment where you can read along, <laughs> look at the graphs along as we go? It's not a visual medi- medium podcasting, but we can we can try. Yeah. And there are some interactive graphs in there, too, that folks can poke around and see how things are impacting their own community. So I definitely recommend folks hit that link and go check out the report. No, I, I appreciate that. And we're definitely we're going to dig into both of these, but I think almost it would help if we segment mm-hmm. them. So if maybe we start with the the firearms being stolen from vehicles, if we start from from there. I wonder, is it just because of this rise that every town was interested in doing this research? You know, I'm always curious what prompted that particular research project, especially coming from one of the folks who worked on it. Sure. That's a great question. So we took on this topic because mayors and police chiefs across the country have been sounding the alarm on gun thefts from cars for a while now and have been describing it as a growing problem in their communities that's contributing to dangerous situations. As folks may be aware, every town has a group called Mayors Against Illegal Guns who are constantly sharing this information with us. And so they've been asking questions. And those questions led us to have some as well, similar to what you asked me a minute ago. Is this problem as big as it's being perceived? Has it gotten worse over time? And which cities are most affected and why? When we went to look for existing research and data sets on this topic, though, we were really surprised to learn that gun thefts from cars are quite understudied. And so through some exploring, we were able to learn that the FBI's data set NIBRS has a wealth of information on this exact topic. More specifically, it had 2020 data from 271 cities across 38 states, which encompass 49 million people in these cities that we're talking about and 15% of the U.S. population. So while we don't have data from the entire country, we have a really big chunk of it that can allow us to learn a lot here. You know, and for folks unfamiliar with data sets, I feel like it's fairly standard to not have data from the most recent years. It takes a bit of time for that to become available. So for this to be so recent, you know, is a, is a really big, important thing, right? Yeah, that's true. I'm sure it's a sidebar for another podcast to talk about some <laughs> of the numbers challenges, but um, there oh, is yeah. some 2021 data available too. This, this report just didn't have it uh, or we didn't have it available when we published this last year. But yes, it is It is important that we have it through 2020. And that allows us to look at these trends, pandemic as well. And I'd love to just set the baseline understanding. Why is the theft of guns from cars and automobiles so dangerous? Gun thefts from cars are dangerous because when guns are stolen from cars, they're diverted from the legal market, which means that they're more likely to be used in acts of violence. Our analysis revealed that in 2020, an estimated 44,000 guns were reported stolen from cars cars across just these 271 cities alone. And this equates to one gun theft from a car every 15 minutes. That's a huge number already. And the count is likely a conservative estimate, again, since we only have data from those specific cities. And only 15 states require gun owners to report their guns as lost and stolen. Oh, so that you're you're not in some places, then you're not required. So it's, we don't know. Exactly. <laughs> the guns might be there and safe or they might be gone. Exactly. If we can, if we can step back to, I'm even thinking of folks not reporting, you know, when, when uh-huh. guns are, when guns are stolen or I think just kind of turn up missing from your car, right? Is there a particular reason that, that you all came across in the research why folks don't report or, cause I could think, see is that as a potential source of dialogue as well. Like, you know, you have to report if it's missing, you can't just go, oh, what well, was old? It wasn't that expensive. It's not worth it. Let it go. Yeah. I mean, I think that having these laws in place would do a lot to ensure that more folks are reporting in terms of why when they aren't in place, folks don't. I don't have an answer to mm. that one. And and so I'm guessing too, like then part of that that huge dangerous dangerousness of everything is that 
there's just so many more than entering into the illicit market, right, than than ever before because of these thefts from cars. Definitely. When we're talking about gun thefts from cars, like, what sort of – like, is there – was it a particular location? Are these – is this happening in cities where cars are parked in parking garages and maybe left? Is it happening in people's front lawns? Like where are that based on what data we do have, you know, where are these guns being actually stolen from? Sure. Guns are stolen from cars that are parked outside of residences. So that can mean driveways or outside of people's homes more often than any place else. So while folks might assume that big sporting events or late nights when cars are parked on the side of a public street could be the cause, that's not seeming to be the case in the majority of instances. Instead, it's more likely that folks are pulling into their driveway at the end of the day. They're leaving their gun in their car when they get out and going into their homes, and it's being stolen in those instances. I can also verify that that trend has been consistent um, for at least the past decade. So that's not a, a new finding. It's been the case for quite a while. And then in terms of geographically where gun thefts from cars are most prominent, our analysis revealed that the five cities with the highest rate of gun thefts from cars were all in the South, where mm. gun ownership rates are quite high and gun violence prevention laws are often weak. You mentioned that one of the key reasons why these thefts are so dangerous is because they are most likely taking guns from the legal market to the illegal market. And just to kind of spell that out, what you're saying is that the guns that are in the cars, the owners probably passed a background check or whatever they needed to do in their particular state to have the gun. And the person taking the gun likely is taking the gun because they cannot do that. Is that generally the picture that you're seeing? I don't know. I guess that's a step further than the research can say. Um, I don't I don't know from the data we were able to access whether all of the guns that were stolen were legally accessed to begin with. But certainly once they're stolen, they are illegal. And we know that the majority of guns that are used in homicides are illegal. Um, and so they become increasingly more dangerous when they get to that point. Your question is an important one, and I hope the research soon is able to address it as well. But I think that this goes to show why it's so important that we have kind of, we're going to say the word baseline, I feel like, on this podcast <laughs> today way too much. But that these, these baselines of, yes, this is a problem. Yes, this is a thing that is happening before people can take it and go for, for further inquiry, right? Like that's, oh, absolutely. that's an important step. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I wonder, too, if we can talk about, you know, again, like this is probably taking it a step further than than the research itself. But do you have any thoughts on why these thefts might be on on the rise? Or I mean, you mentioned why probably in the cities that they're the most common, some conjectures we can make about why that might be some correlations. But like, do you have any thoughts on why this seems to be happening more? Sure. Um, Yeah. So as you just alluded to, and as I did before, our analysis reveals a significant association between the strength of a state's gun violence prevention laws and a city's rate of gun thefts from cars. So that's one thing worth noting. Additionally, this trend has been increasing steadily. The trend of gun thefts from cars has been increasing steadily over the past 10 years. But from 2019 to 2020, we saw recent history's biggest spike. And this happened along the lines in the same time as spikes in gun sales, suggesting that they might be linked. So for further context, in the decade prior to the pandemic, an average of 13.5 million guns were sold annually. But in 2020, this number jumped to 22 million. So as guns are more present in communities, it becomes all the more important that we all do our part to securely store them, whether it's in a vehicle or elsewhere. Let's talk about that. You <laughs> talked about, you know, securing them. So what can we do to prevent these sorts of thefts? 
That's a great question. Right. So now that we have an understanding of the scope of the problem, we can move on to explore some solutions, which we think exist at a few different levels, including policy, programmatic, and individual. At a policy level, states can enact secure storage laws requiring that guns be stored, unloaded, locked, and separate from ammunition. Right now, 23 states have these laws. They should also require the reporting of lost and stolen guns. As we discussed before, only 15 states have these in place today, resulting in severe underreporting. And then finally, they should require that guns be stored securely and not visible when they're left in unattended cars specifically. And then in terms of public awareness campaigns, we can also spread the message about the importance of secure storage and reporting them when lost and stolen through things like this. Programs like Be Smart can be particularly valuable in these efforts, and that's a program that every town supports that helps folks who are trained to help train community members in what secure storage looks like and how they can contribute to that. Also, it's possible that police departments can take a role in this as well as can advocates in educating gun owners about secure storage devices and other ways they can do that. Thank you. No, that's I think that's really helpful because there I mean, there are a number of programs out there that that do that sort of work. But I think folks have to one know that they're there Mm -hmm. and then to know how to access them. And then I think be willing to reach out to them. Right. Or be receptive to the information that they're giving. And I think I mentioned these ones as well. Individuals have a role to play, too, in ensuring that they're securely storing their guns and also that they're reporting them as soon as they're stolen to police so that they can begin attempts to recover it and properly trace it if it is involved. Um, But collectively, through all of these different steps, we can make significant strides in reducing gun thefts from cars and keeping our communities safer. And just to kind of tag on to what you were saying about the importance of safe storage in a vehicle, if someone's listening or someone knows someone who has a gun that they don't safely store in their vehicle and they might be thinking, well, I need it. I need it accessible. That's how I'm going to keep myself safe. I think one of the points you made earlier is so important where you mentioned If someone steals your gun, that is by definition an illegal gun, and it's likely to be used illegally. And so if you want to protect yourself by having a firearm, one of the things you need to do is to securely store that gun. And it doesn't mean that you can't use it. Um, It just means that someone who shouldn't be using it won't be able to. Absolutely. I wonder if we can take a take a step back to could you when we're talking about because we're saying safely store it, right? But I could see how that could be something that people's perception of safe storage can vary, right? So when we're talking about safely securing a firearm in, in a vehicle, what does that actually look like? Is it just hiding it under the seat? Is it actually having it in a lockbox? Like what, what is the actual definition? Sure. When we say secure storage in every town, we're talking about guns being unloaded, locked, and separate from ammunition. We have a really great resource that discusses different types of secure storage devices, and I'd be happy to share the link. Yeah, we'll have that in the description. I just I think that that's something that comes up on this podcast mm-hmm. a lot or just like out in the in the wider world, right, is that folks are, well, it's out of sight. So it's safely stored, but that's certainly not going no. to stop someone who's come into your vehicle from, you know, they can go into your glove box. Right. As well. um, that, that is not the solution. As we've we've already discussed, there was a significant rise in thefts of guns from automobiles over the past few years. But we also want to turn to the rise in incidents of road rage involving firearms, which is something else that's been rising. So I was wondering if you could kind of lay out what that's looked like. Yeah, it's the one-two firearms and car punch. Mm-hmm. That is really scary. 
Of course, happy to talk about that too. So in May of last year, my Everytown research colleagues, Sarah Bird-Sharps and Catherine Beisline authored a report on road rage incidents involving guns. And the data that they used here came from Gun Violence Archive and it spanned 2017 to 2021. They learned quite a few important things through that, including the fact that in 2021, an average of 44 people were shot and killed or wounded in road rage incidents per month. And this is alarmingly double the rate of uh, road rage shootings that happened pre-pandemic. And again, it's so we're also seeing (laughs) rates of gun violence on on the rise. But this is like this is I hate to say it's statistically significant when it's people, but because it seems like it reduces them to numbers. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it is. It's even if, you know, anytime you see a rise at this much, this is this is a lot, right? And it's important, you're right, to humanize uh, these stories. One thing that's great about Gun Violence Archive is that their data comes from media coverage. And so you can mm-hmm. often find news uh, articles about the incidents that we're talking about here as well. Yeah, because these, these are people. Mm-hmm. Really. And when we're talking about, I think, sort of just, again, just for listeners who maybe I'm, I'm thinking maybe our listeners who are outside of the U.S. or I assume that the most folks know what road rage is, but these are just instances we're talking about when people have had some sort of altercation, like you get cut off from one car to the next, which is the standard for the say the D.C. Beltway, mm-hmm. and it escalates to kind of a, a violent or aggressive encounter between between folks. And I'm wondering if we can talk about I mean, it may seem simple, but you know why are firearms concerning in these instances? Of course, um, road rage itself or uh, aggressive driving is pretty common in this country and having a gun accessible in the car makes them all the more dangerous. Do you have any thoughts on on why that rises? Are we also just going back to more more folks having access to guns plus kind of the COVID instability? Do you think that that might might be it or any any thoughts on why we've seen kind of this rise happen simultaneously? Totally. I think you got it. Um, For one, the pandemic and its continued effects brought all kinds of new stressors into people's lives and exacerbated underlying ones that have already been there before, leaving people perhaps in a place where they get more agitated more easily. And then, as I mentioned before, and you just did too, there have been record increases in gun sales during the pandemic, which means there are more guns in communities and potentially in cars as folks are driving irritated as well. And I'm wondering, one of the things that I know has scared me and JJ both is this feeling of what can I do to protect myself? Like, I don't have a car, but I take Uber from time to time. And I'm always hoping that the Uber driver doesn't cut someone off or in an inadvertently make someone mad because I don't know if that other driver has a gun in their car. So what can you do to protect yourself from firearms and road rage? These are great questions. AAA actually has some helpful resources on how to prevent aggressive driving, and they include things like maintaining adequate distance, trying to avoid responding to aggression with more aggression, and driving to a public place such as a police station, hospital, or fire station when you're feeling at risk. Secure storage can actually be quite valuable here as well in the sense that accessing a securely stored gun uh, takes an extra beat and might be a time during which de-escalation can occur. And then finally, there's a call to action for policymakers here too. Permitless carry laws, for example, contribute to guns being present in more places and social situations, including otter streets, where they can contribute to road rage incidents becoming more dangerous. And I appreciate you bringing up the like that safe storage is helpful in this instance as well, because of just that 
that cooling off moment, right? Of of assessing what you're going to do before you're using a weapon, right? That could just otherwise just be in your pocket. So I think I think that's really important to highlight. I I one of the reasons why I struggle with the like this constant question of how do I protect myself is because we do hear from like the gun lobby or in certain rhetoric that the solution is to just also get a firearm. So I, anytime we have solutions that are like, that's perhaps not the best scenario. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's, that's not the race that we want to get in. I, I really appreciate. Definitely. I think this is another way that it can fit to our safety. And I'm wondering, um, you know, we've been talking throughout this conversation about sort of the link between the pandemic and the stressors that it added and the increase in gun sales and the rising trend of thefts and also road rage. We're in 2023. COVID is still around, but we're not in the same sort of intense space of lockdown and panic and not knowing what's happening. So do you think that these upward trends will continue in the future or will we see any reductions somehow? Good question again. Um, it's great timing for it too. Our research team is actually looking into this right now for Road Rage. We're in the process of updating that report. So stay tuned. We'll have a new version to share shortly. Um, but in the meantime, we're not expecting to see a drop anytime soon. Just as gun deaths have been elevated since the pandemic, Road Rage has been on the same trend. And anecdotally, we're continuing to see these stories in the news throughout 2022. And do you think the same thing for firearm thefts from cars? Probably an increase do you think that kind of like a steady increase up or do you think about the same or can we hope for for a decrease as more places adopt stricter rules that's a good question um i mean as we're seeing a correlation between the strength of gun violence prevention laws obviously if they're putting those in place that might and hopefully will be helpful um but in terms of what i would expect to see in 2021 i think we would probably see the same Hopefully not the rise that's quite as stark. Hopefully that would be slowing down. But if it's in line with the other trends we're seeing in gun, it might be continuing to rise, hopefully at a slower rate. These things don't go away overnight. Just like I see one of you is still wearing a mask today. And we aren't over and done with this pandemic. And it's our last day in several ways. Mm-hmm. For sure. And as you mentioned, you know, having gun especially when it comes to thefts, um, it cor- sort of correlated at least with the rise in sales. And it's not like guns are perishable or something. Exactly. Those are a little there now. They aren't disappearing. Yeah. yeah. And guns have that, that they have staying power. They do. It's not, they don't expire in two to three years, right? right? They're present yes. out there in the world now. Yeah. And I'm wondering, you know, can you suggest one thing that our listeners could be doing right now to prevent the things that we talked about today, gun thefts or road rage leading to a shooting. Is there sort of one takeaway point for listeners that you want them to kind of walk away with? Sure. I think secure storage in these two instances is key. But if we're talking about gun violence prevention more broadly, a critical part of the work to end gun violence is starting a dialogue. So for example, when we're talking about guns from cars, normalizing conversations around secure storage with your friends and your family and your community members is a small step that can make a major impact when it comes to keeping guns out of the wrong hand. There isn't a one single solution. There are lots of different steps at different levels that are key in addressing this issue. So while uh, I'm having a law in place that requires the reporting of lost and stolen guns can be one part of it. Secure storage is certainly another one. Educating and normalizing conversations around this is yet another. And all of these things need to be 
happening together to keep our communities safe. That sounds like that's like the story of gun violence prevention in a nutshell. <laughs> like so many it is. coming in. That's um, a, a it is. If we could have a bumper sticker. Mm-hmm. And it's a long bumper sticker. We need nine of them to mm-hmm. fit this car up. Yes. So just keep reading some <laughs> some some codes that mm-hmm. you can some QR codes you can scan. Thank you so much for one for doing the work and putting this together. Like we can't go anywhere without research. Right. Mm-hmm. We can't. How are we supposed to know the multiple like solutions that are available unless we actually articulate what the problem is? Right. Right. So this is all incredibly helpful. Yeah. So and it is. I mean, I've seen headlines in D.C. Like, so it really is it's really scary. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a scary world. But I think as as you are as you have articulated, like there are lots of people working to make it less scary. And there's mm-hmm. lots of ways like in small ways that we can be doing things to if we are gun owners, if we aren't gun owners to to keep ourselves safe. Yeah. So, you know, where would you recommend that people find your work and every town's work more broadly? If you have any plugs for that. Sure. Um, so all of our reports and fact sheets are on every townresearch.org. Um, so folks can go there. And then at the top right hand corner, there's a button folks can press if they're interested to subscribe to our newsletter that comes out i think about once a month and so folks could hear exactly what we're working on and if anyone wants to learn more about gun violence data and how it impacts their state um by various intents and a lot more information they can also go to everystat.org everystat.org is really again not fun but it is definitely (laughs) an interesting you will learn a lot playing Mm -hmm. around with it i've definitely played with it quite a bit yeah i hope it's a useful resource um I, I think it is. Hey, want to share with the podcast? Listeners can now get in touch with us here at Red, Blue and Brady via phone or text message. Simply call or text us at 480-744-3452 with your thoughts, questions, concerns, ideas, cat pictures, whatever. Thanks for listening. As always, Brady's life-saving work in Congress, the courts and communities across the country is made possible thanks to you. For more information on Brady or how to get involved in the fight against gun violence, please like and subscribe to the podcast. Get in touch with us at BradyUnited.org or on social at BradyBuzz. Be brave and remember, take action, not sides. Mm-hmm.